engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening, Atlanta. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. We've talked to three of the five gubernatorial candidates for the Republicans. Looks like we're going to get the Democrats in here as well to have the same sorts of conversations. I'll keep you posted on that. We've got Casey Cagle tomorrow night at 7. We're working to reschedule Clay Tippins as well. Uh, his uncle in the news today, interestingly enough, um, Lindsey Tippins in the state Senate. Uh, we'll get to that later. First, uh, two things. we got to get to the budget deal. Before we get to the budget deal, just quickly, the president wants to have a military parade. I don't care whether you like the idea of a military parade or not. It doesn't matter to me. I'm somewhat indifferent. I think it's something that communists in third world countries do. The United States has never had to brag about or display its military prowess. Everyone just knows we're awesome. Whether you like it or not, though, can we just say that the president, I think even, even diehard Donald Trump supporters will agree, the president often comes up with Silly ideas. He, he just, he comes, he pulls stuff out of, out of where God knows where. But what's more striking is not that the president sometimes, occasionally, often comes up with these ideas. It's the reaction from the left to those ideas. In fact, the reaction, I dare say, gives them legitimacy they might not have otherwise had. Take, for example, this, <clears throat> the president of the United States wants to do a military parade. He wants to display the arsenal of democracy down Pennsylvania Avenue. And the left? Why the left is in full pull your hair out, set it on fire mode. They actually are parading around themselves, pun intended, signing up volunteers to lay down in front of tanks should the military parade happen. So let's, let's put this all in perspective for you. We can have a gay pride parade celebrating hedonism across America with scantily clad people doing God knows what in public. And we're not only to celebrate it, we're supposed to bake cakes for it. We can have women parading all over Washington, D.C. in pink hats designed to symbolize their anatomy. And we're to celebrate it. But put the military on prayer. Oh, my Lord, no, we can't do that. No, 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 no. You can't do that because for the single reason that Donald J. Trump suggested it. That's it. That, that's, that is why the left is outraged about this, because Donald Trump wants to do it. If Barack Hussein Obama wanted a military parade, the left would think it was the greatest thing since even before sliced bread, which they would tell us he invented himself. If Bill Clinton wanted to parade interns down Fifth Avenue, the left would be signing up 60-year-old women in comfortable shoes to claim they were interns to celebrate human sexuality for Bill Clinton, and they would love it. But Donald Trump? wants to parade the arsenal of democracy down Pennsylvania Avenue, we've got to lay down on the street and block the tanks. This is why Donald Trump won, by the way. 
What on earth? This is why Donald Trump won. This is why Donald Trump is going to keep winning. This is why Donald Trump is probably going to win in 2020. Because the American left has lost their ever-living mind. They can celebrate God knows what marching down the street. But the American military, because Donald Trump suggested it, no, we've got to burn the place down. Burn it down, they would, if they could. The downside of having Macs now, apparently, is people can call my cell phone and they can all of a sudden ring on all my computers I've got around me and iPads. Probably should turn that feature off. Y'all, we need to talk about the budget deal. It's bad. It is very bad. $300 billion over the next couple of years. Democrats and Republicans wanting to raise the debt ceiling. We are crossing $20 trillion. Now, if the Democrats came up with this, I would not be surprised. And the Democrats and the Republicans and the, or the Republicans in the House, they would be opposed to it. But the Republicans are the ones who came up with this idea, $300 billion. Y'all, we got a problem. There is no incentive in Washington to cut spending, and we need to cut spending. Democrats would say we got to raise taxes to pay for it all, but there's a problem. You could raise taxes to capture 100% of all income generated in the United States and you're still not going to pay things down. In fact, you would starve the economy. You would send us into economic depression. You raise taxes by 10% on the wealthy, you're going to chase capital out of the country. Apple's not going to repatriate its billions. you got to cut spending. And Republicans for years have been the party championing fiscal discipline. And by the way, they're not only going to do this budget deal, Mitch McConnell says they're going to prepare an open immigration plan in the Senate. Democrats and Republicans working together on an immigration plan in the United States Senate. How do you think that's going to turn out? Look, I realize I am squishy compared to many of you on the issue of DACA, but I am opposed to giving their parents citizenship, and I'm afraid that's where we're headed. But I am also equally opposed to the government continuing to spend more and more without any restraint, without any sequestration, without any end game in sight. They're doing these continuing resolutions, dragging things out over and over without any budget, without any fiscal discipline. At some point, it's going to be our kids and grandkids having to pay for this stuff. The size and scope of the federal government is unsustainable. They can pad it by saying, well, we've had an economic upturn. We're looking at the federal government growing at three or four percent. That's good. That will increase income. That will minimize to some some degree the debt that we are incurring, but it's not going to get rid of it. It's still going to add on top of it every year. Let me go through this for those of you who don't realize it. Every year, the federal government's supposed to have a budget and they set the budget to fund things for the next year. Well, what the Republicans and Democrats alike have been doing for the last decade is continuing resolutions where they do a small limited spending plan where they essentially increase everything overall instead of doing budgets and individual appropriations for the various executive departments. And what they do with these continuing resolutions is they incur a deficit. A deficit is how much more the expenditures exceed the income for a year. Now, with the tax cuts, I know it sounds counterintuitive, but the tax cuts will actually cause people to spend more money and will cause the economy to grow, which will expand the pool of tax revenue into the federal government. We know it's not going to be enough, though, to close that deficit. So when we close out the budget, there will still be more money owed by the government than incoming to the government. 
So that deficit then goes onto the stack of national debt. Our national debt is now over $20 trillion. Republicans for eight years railed against the national debt because Barack Obama single-handedly added more to the national debt than any other president. In fact, all presidents combined got us to $10 trillion in national debt. Barack Obama went from $10 trillion to $20 trillion all on his own. An insult to drunken sailors. But now Republicans, who for years railed against the debt and the deficit, they're doing the same thing. Y'all, it's unsustainable. And if Republicans don't come up with a spending plan to reduce these expenditures and get things back in line and balance the budget, Democrats are going to jack up taxes. They're going to jack them up massively and it's going to screw up the economy. But they're going to have this popular argument that, well, we got $20 trillion in national debt. We got to pay off this debt. And by the way, we want to pay China on our national debt. Something's got to give on this. It is highly irresponsible for the Republicans and the Democrats in Washington, D.C. to get together behind closed doors and raise $300 billion in spending over the next two years with no offsets and no cuts. This is not sustainable. I bet you're familiar with P90X. My producer, Charlie, I used to ridicule him for using P90X. I've got a lot of friends who have used P90X. And truth be told, I actually eventually decided everybody's doing this. I need to get myself back in shape. So I bought it. And then you know what I realized? I didn't have a DVD player in the house. I, so I never actually used it, as you can probably tell. Um, and I always thought it was kind of crazy. As, as so many services are moving digital, the parent company, Beachbody, uh, dot com. It had a digital presence, but it wasn't quite easy to use. But now it is. They've got a new product I want to tell you about. My wife's been using for yoga for a while on our Apple TV. In fact, they have an Apple TV app. They have an Android app. They have a, an iPhone app. Um, really, really easy to get all of the Beachbody products. Um, the P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, the 3 Week Yoga Retreat. All of them streaming on your TV or your phone. Uh, you can do these things on your own time. You can pick your trainer. Easy to navigate. Again, my wife has been using the yoga one for a while. Uh, really likes it. Uh, and I actually even downloaded it to the Apple TV since I got to start going back to the gym regularly. I may give it a try with you. Who knows? We can have some tag team effort. Right now, though, I want you to go try this. You can get a free trial membership when you text ERIC to 303030 303030 30, 30. text eric e r i c k to 303030 30. you're going to get full access to the entire beach body on demand program for free all the workouts and nutrition information for free just text eric e r i c k to 303030 30 today It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404 750 wsb talk You know, let me go back to the March real quick. We, we can spend all night on the budget, but the March, the central point here is that if Donald Trump suggests something, the left does not judge it on its merits. They judge it on Donald Trump, and they immediately conclude that it's bad. There are things the president does that I like, and I praise him, 
And there are things the president does that I dislike, and I criticize him. With the left, there's not a there's not a bifurcation there. Everything is bad. Even it's things they want, it's bad. There's a great example of this today. The president supports a plan designed by Ivanka Trump and Marco Rubio for paid family leave. I oppose it. I do not think the federal government should be imposing on private businesses to pay family leave. If you don't like it, you don't have to work there. There, I realize I'm in the minority on this because it's mean. Europe does this. We should do it. Europe, of course, also bans abortion after 20 weeks, but nobody wants to do that here. But that this is this is the, the logic here on the left. They've been wanting this forever. Hillary Clinton campaigned on paid family leave. Barack Obama campaigned on paid family leave. John Kerry campaigned on paid family leave. John Edwards campaigned on paid family leave. Um, Al Gore campaigned on paid family leave. Howard Dean campaigned on paid family leave. Here comes Ivanka Trump and Marco Rubio proposing a paid family leave plan. And according to the Washington Post's liberal columnist Elizabeth Bruning, it would punish families. It would penalize the elderly. In fact, it could be called a punishment. Now, why? Why? Well, because the paid family leave plan would be paid by offsetting someone's future Social Security earnings. So the plan pays for itself. They would be able to leave and they would be able to get covered by the federal government through Social Security. The left wants taxes on corporations raised. They want taxes, they want corporations to do this, to raise the costs of hiring people. And Rubio and Ivanka Trump wisely said no. I still think their plan is a bad idea, but it's better than what the left, but because they proposed it and because it would pay for itself and because Donald Trump wants it, it's a terrible idea, according to the left. It's 39 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson here on WSB. Remember, if you want to listen to, I mean, listen to the Brian Kemp interview, the Michael Williams interview, the Hunter Hill interview, or even the upcoming Casey Cagle interviews, or I think we're going to get Stacey Abrams and Stacey Evans and Clay Tippins. Uh, we're rescheduling him. Uh, all the gubernatorial candidates in Georgia. If you want to get uh, those interviews, text the word show to 444-999. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. We're putting them all there. You can listen to them. We did Michael Williams and Hunter Hill last night. And I want to get into something, a, a common ground between these Republican candidates. Uh, Michael Williams made a really good point last night. He can tell me that New Jersey and, and Illinois combined are offering about $7 billion in incentives to attract Amazon. I mean, Illinois essentially is offering a negative tax rate. They will pay Amazon. And Illinois is a bankrupt state or on the verge of bankruptcy. Illinois is willing to pay Amazon. They will, they will not make money off the deal. They think Amazon coming to the state is a prestige thing. It'll bring jobs. It'll bring new people to shake down for tax money. So Illinois is willing to do it. New Jersey is willing to do it. 
Nobody knows what Georgia is willing to do because Georgia has transparency laws or lack of transparency laws. We have no idea what the economic development team in Georgia is offering. We believe it's a couple billion dollars in economic incentives. But there's no transparency here. Williams and Hill, we spent a lot of time on this last night. We didn't spend as much with Brian Kemp, um, but he also went there in that he and they are all willing to go on record and say they think Georgia needs to rethink attracting outside businesses that we have plenty of businesses in the state that we could be helping foster through an economically favorable environment. Hunter Hill last night made the great point that if Georgia changed the way it taxes, gets rid of the income tax, focuses on a, um, it focuses on a state sales tax like Texas and Florida and Tennessee, if we restructure and deregulate, if we get the state out of the hair of businesses, we will provide an economically favorable environment for these businesses to come into the state. There really isn't a disagreement between these three candidates, and I find that interesting and, and because it is the Republican leadership in the state that is lined up behind trying to attract Amazon. I think it's a bad idea. You know, Hunter Hill pointed out last night um, that you've got massive infrastructure issues in Atlanta. If we bring in, you know, um, Bank of America Plaza, in Atlanta, you all know the building. It's the tallest building on the skyline. It is the tallest building in the southeast. It's one of the tallest buildings in the nation. The amount of real estate Amazon is asking for in Atlanta or wherever they go is equal to nine of those, sun, uh, of those Bank of America plazas. Nine of them. They want that much real estate in a centralized place. The water infrastructure the travel infrastructure, uh, on and on and on it goes. The vast array of infrastructure needed to pull that off in Atlanta. We, we don't have enough space in the city. We need to rethink transportation. I mean, Hunter and, and Michael both made great points on transparency and on this, this infrastructure deal, and that Amazon coming to the state actually could be crippling to our economy because of the amount of money we would have to suddenly raise quickly, probably through a tax increase, by the way, that they would oppose, to build new bridges and new roads and, and build new infrastructure and water infrastructure in the city of Atlanta, wherever they go. Uh, Mike Williams made such a good point last night on the transparency issue, though. We don't know whether our state economic development team is being responsible with our money. We have no way of knowing what they've offered Amazon. We know that the governor wants to get the legislature to come in and do even more. If Amazon narrows it down to, to the top three or top five, he would want even more money and more incentives going to Amazon. And meanwhile, it changes our infrastructure, it raises costs, it changes our culture. What about all the businesses already in Georgia? What about the medium-sized businesses that could be big businesses? What about all those? We haven't created an economically favorable climate for any of these businesses. In fact, Michael Williams told an amazing story um, from a business up in Forsyth County last night related to this. So, yeah. Yeah, it was Michael Williams who, who told the story up in Forsyth County. Had a, um, a business up there, a small business, um, and the husband owns a distillery. 
or wanted to start it. He had to go out of state to start it because of the um, the beverage laws in Georgia and the distribution laws and how those laws work. They're archaic laws from the from prohibition, from the end of prohibition. And we chased a business out of the state because of those laws. We, we, we didn't have the flexibility to adapt. In the wholesaling industry and how you, the way you've got to uh, charge and bill and, and who can buy and who can't buy alcohol, it's a convoluted system. Hunter Hill spent a lot of time on, on a similar situation of, of streamlining these regulations and bringing them into the 21st century. And it was a unanimous theme between Brian Kemp and Michael Williams and Hunter Hill that the state's got to change the way it attracts business. Because we've got businesses in Georgia that are good businesses, that are stable businesses, that are strong businesses. And they could be stronger still, except the state isn't investing resources in those businesses. They're not investing resources in a level playing field. They're not investing in deregulating. They're not investing in changing the tax code. They're investing in giveaways to Fortune 500 companies to bring them into Georgia creating a very unlevel playing field where it's the new shiny business from the other side of the country that gets special treatment over the existing businesses in the state. Thinking, well, once they're here, they're not going to go anywhere, but they could. Instead, deregulate, simplify, streamline the tax code, get government out of the way, make it easier for businesses to set up business in Georgia. Do what Texas and Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina are doing Instead of just giving big handfuls of taxpayer cash at the latest shiny object and saying, come to our state. It's a bad way to do business long term. And it's good to hear the Republican candidates saying so. It would be better if the state leaders in the state actually believe that as well. Fifty-five after the hour. Eric Erickson here. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. You, you heard the ad about the cruise. Um, if you want to get just the web link sent to you, text the word cruise to 345-345, and I will get you back a link uh, so you can see the page about the cruise, where all we're going, uh, and contact the travel agency. They're doing packages uh, based on what you can and can't afford and you just you need to talk to the travel agents uh they're good people i'm excited about this y'all there is a growing side effect of all the women coming forward claiming harassment and let us be fair we must be honest there have been some legitimate terrible stories to come out of this uma thurman has just a a horrible story about quentin tarantino and harvey weinstein at the same time there have been a lot of women millennials who are coming forward, who are claiming harassment and assault because of things like, oh, he opened the door for me, or he asked me out on a date, or just, I mean, just nonsense. A lot of it is nonsense. Or, or the girl who had the had the bad date with the comedian and, and went all the way with him but didn't particularly like it, so it, suddenly it's sexual assault or something. Well, men are growing uncomfortable mentoring women. Who'd have thunk it? When you believe you live in a rape culture and that every man is actually a rapist, guess what? They don't want to deal with you. Yeah, this is a logical byproduct of this sort of thing happening, of the cries of hysteria. You know, men and women are not equal. 
And yes, there are men who behave badly, but there are also men who are not intending to behave badly, are not sexually assaulting. You have no intent to do it. And yet there are some hypersensitive people out there, women, who believe that they've been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed for whatnot. And people's lives and careers are getting destroyed. I mean, for God's sakes, look at the latest hysteria over Ryan Seacrest, who they, they've cleared him of the allegations. Where do you go to get your reputation back, though? After something like this happens, and there are many men who are saying, you know what, I don't even want to go near there. I don't want to even be accused by someone of something inappropriate and have my career destroyed when I didn't do anything. Logical outcome. There is a way to balance this and do it right, but nobody seems to be interested. It's nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Oh boy, we got to get into local politics. But before we do, let me um, just focus for just a second on the news today that um, the Strzok and Page text messages have unveiled that uh, the president of the United States, Barack Obama, wanted details on the investigation. Um, you, I'm texting while I do this to my children who are screaming. I can hear them through the soundproof doors, no less. They're being disruptive in the studio today. <laughs> okay. So now the Democrats and the Republicans are at each other's throats again today over the issue of Strzok and Page and their text messages that the president wanted a briefing. President Obama previously went on record saying that he had a um, he had never asked the FBI for information about Hillary Clinton. He had never asked for information about that investigation. And now these text messages purport to reveal he wanted everything. He wanted everything they had. Well, that's wrong. And now I know this has been reported across conservative media today that the president wanted information about the Clinton investigation, the Clinton emails. The, the Wall Street Journal is bringing some clarity to this this evening, thankfully. I, I feel like my, my, I feel like I think that my job these days has more and more become that we got to, I got to debunk fake news on our side. There's a report out from Oxford university that conservatives are spending more time than liberals these days trading fake news back during the Bush administration. It was liberals uh, who were trading fake news more. And then conservatives picked up steam with Obama. And, and you would think at this point it would be liberals back to trading fake news, but it seems to be Republicans. And the idea that Barack Obama sought out information on the Clinton emails is fake news, folks. He did seek out information about the investigation from the FBI, but it was not that investigation. It was the Russia investigation. He wanted to know what was going on with the Russia investigation. Now, Ron Johnson the senator from uh, Wisconsin says that the that the struck page 
text message exchange referred to the Clinton email investigation. But the sources within the FBI and the Department of Justice and even other senators are saying, no, this actually was about the Obama um, wanting to know about what Russia was doing. The text message exchange and the Obama request came a few days before Barack Obama met Vladimir Putin at a summit in China. He said in December of 2016 he was uh, addressing the issues of tampering with the election process with Mr. Putin in the September meeting. Likewise, this was around the time he was meeting Mark Zuckerberg in South America where he wanted to raise the red flag of Russian um, tweaking of the, the Facebook algorithm to try to influence the election. This did not have anything to do with the Clinton email situation. So yes, the President of the United States, Barack Obama, asked the FBI for information, but it wasn't about the Clinton emails, as has been reported all day. Instead, it was about the Russia investigation. Again, the sources confirming that it was about the Russia investigation are FBI personnel, Department of Justice personnel, and United States senators who have seen the full email exchange, Republican United States senators who have seen the full text message exchange between Strzok and Page. Um, let's, uh, there's enough going on out there that we should be outraged about. We don't need to be outraged about all the fake news. So I want to move to local politics and local issues. And, and this news happened yesterday. Um, Michael Williams, regardless of whether he's running for governor or not, he's got a pretty consistent record on religious liberty and he's authored some legislation in the state Senate relating to religious liberty. Um, he has authored a bill, if you'll recall, there was a coach over in Cowita County that was disciplined for having the audacity to pray with students after a football game. The complaint came from an atheist group out of state, and the local school system buckled quickly. And Williams has a piece of legislation that is circulating in the state Senate, State uh, Senate Bill 361. And the legislation would protect coaches who participate in prayer with students. It would also protect students who raise religious issues in public schools. There are some... Now listen, it is, it is not against the law. It is not against the law for students to raise religious issues at public schools. But... Public schools around the nation are so sensitive to being sued by militant atheist groups, they do everything they can possible to stop students from raising religious issues because they treat it as if it is illegal or unconstitutional or whatnot. It's not. It's not even illegal for coaches to pray in student-led prayer. But some school systems have implemented policies against it because, again, they are scared of being sued by left-wing radical atheist groups from out of state. So Michael Williams' legislation, SB 361, the Student-Faculty Religious Liberty Bill, would allow faculty, coaches, and others to pray with students on the condition that the students have initiated the prayer without influence from the coaches, faculty, and others. And that is consistent with Supreme Court rulings. If students initiate prayer, students can do it. It cannot be compelled by the school, though. 
This legislation was supposed to get a hearing today uh, in the state Senate. Uh, state Senator Lindsey Tippins is in charge of the committee that was going to hear this piece of legislation uh, and review it. There were activists and others who supported the legislation from around the state who were going to the state Senate today, who had changed their schedule to be there today. And Lindsey Tippins canceled the hearing. I'm told from people close to Senator Williams, I haven't talked to Senator Williams today, but I talked to people close to Senator Williams, and they say um, Senator Tippins, he's in charge of the Education Youth Committee where the bill is being heard. He has concerns. How do you have concerns as a Republican legislator in Georgia? How do you have concerns about a piece of legislation that allows coaches to pray with students? How do you have concerns over something like this? Seriously. I mean, this, this piece of legislation seems like a no-brainer. Yet again, members of our legislature, Republican members of our legislature, are holding up social conservative legislation while they are whoring themselves with taxpayer dollars at companies like Amazon to come into the state and the Hollywood industry. They're holding up any bit of socially conservative legislation. There are pro-life measures in our state legislature this year that are going nowhere because they are not pushing any socially conservative legislation. I mean, look what they did with the adoption legislation. The ultimate bill was a good piece of legislation, but they gutted the, the protection for faith-based adoption agencies. What good is it having Republicans in charge of the state of Georgia if the Republicans in charge of the state of Georgia are not in any way meaningfully different from Democrats in charge of the state? In fact, most of the Republicans in charge of the state were Democrats until the Republicans started taking over, and for survival, they had to change the letter of their, their party. They went from a D to an R. Here is a piece of legislation that all it would do is ensure that no student can get in trouble for talking about religion in a public school and no high school football coach can get in trouble for participating in a prayer his students have started after a football game. And it can't even make it through our state senate. Religious liberty can't even make it past the governor's veto pen in the state. I mean, what really, what good, what, what is the difference between Republicans in charge of Georgia and Democrats in charge of Georgia? They would both whore themselves out to these big foreign businesses coming into the state of Georgia, giving your taxpayer dollars away, creating a negative tax rate for these companies where our money goes to them to bring them into the state while they just completely ignore local businesses. While sticking it to the gun rights lobby, and social conservatives, and parents, and you name it. I mean, it, it makes you wonder how much different the state would be if Stacey Abrams or Stacey Evans was governor. I, I honestly cannot tell you how the state would look any different right now. I bet you're familiar with P90X. My producer, Charlie, I used to ridicule him for using P90X. I've got a lot of friends who have used P90X, and Truth be told, I actually eventually decided everybody's doing this. I need to get myself back in shape. So I bought it. And then you know what I realized? I didn't have a DVD player in the house. I, so I never actually used it, as you can probably tell. Um, and I always thought it was kind of crazy as, as so many services are moving digital. The parent company, Beachbody.com, uh, it had a digital presence, but it wasn't quite easy to use. But now it is. 
They've got a new product I want to tell you about. My wife's been using for yoga for a while on our Apple TV. In fact, they have an Apple TV app. They have an Android app. They have a, an iPhone app. Um, really, really easy to get all of the Beachbody products, um, the P90X, Insanity, 21 Day Fix, the three-week yoga retreat, all of them streaming on your TV or your phone. Uh, you can do these things on your own time. You can pick your trainer. Easy to navigate. Again, my wife has been using the yoga one for a while. Uh, really likes it. Uh, and I actually even downloaded it to the Apple TV since... I got to start going back to the gym regularly. I may give it a try with you. Who knows? We can have some tag team effort. Right now, though, I want you to go try this. You can get a free trial membership when you text Eric to 303030. 303030. Text Eric, E R I C K, to 303030. You're going to get full access to the entire Beachbody on demand program for free, all the workouts and nutrition information for free. Just text Eric. Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 303030 today. Y'all, speaking of local politics, um, I want to, uh, yesterday I spent some time, or not yesterday, because I was doing the gubernatorial interviews yesterday, on Monday I spent some time on West Cantrell's legislation um, that is the school choice legislation in Georgia. I had some questions from listeners about it. And real quick, uh, just to let you know, um, if you text the word HOPE to 52886, uh, you'll get an, an action link back so that you can encourage members of the state house to support the legislation. It's got some bipartisan traction. Uh, it's got to get a hearing, and really it's to raise awareness. Now, the questions that I was asked is, um, would this take away funding from a local school, particularly in a, in a poor part of the state where you've only got one public school? Yes and no. What you need to understand about this legislation is that it would only cover about 4,700 total kids. Um, it would cover basically one quarter of 1% of kids in public schools. And the money that flows is state money. It's not local money. So if a child is in a school, the state sends money to the school for that child, for use of that child. If the child leaves that school, the money goes away from the school. And all West Cantrell is proposing is that we allow that money to flow into accounts so that parents can then use it to offset the costs of sending their kid to a different school, homeschool, or even if they're taking collegiate classes when they're in, in high school. Great piece of legislation. You can text the word HOPE to 52886 to get the state legislature behind it. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to do something that I have never done before on this program. Literally have never done this. Um, Y'all know I support the DACA compromise. I think giving the the 1.8 million um, DACA recipients or those eligible for DACA uh, path to citizenship is a fair deal in exchange for building a wall and depriving Democrats of a photo op in the future to uh, give other people citizenship. I do, and I know that most of you disagree. And I have set up the Resurgence Action Center for you guys. If you are opposed, because it looks like we're going to get a DACA deal, 
with this budget compromise. Um, Nancy Pelosi's been doing her, by the way, it's not a filibuster in the House, and, and our newsroom may be the only newsroom in America that accurately reported it was a, a record-breaking speech on the House floor, but it wasn't a filibuster. No legislation was tied up. Um, but of course, we suddenly have to, we gotta worship Nancy Pelosi because she gave a big speech in favor of, of illegal aliens. I know that most of you are opposed to DACA. And so I've turned on the Action Center for y'all so that you can connect with your members of Congress and tell your members of Congress to oppose the DACA compromise. And the way you do it is pretty straightforward. You text DACA, D-A-C-A, to 345-345. And that'll tie you into the Resurgence Action Center uh, where you can generate uh, tweets, uh, Facebook messages, and emails to your members of Congress telling them to oppose the DACA compromise and telling the president to keep his word and not go along with the compromise. Um, I disagree with you. Um, I do. But we can have this friendly disagreement and, and still give you guys the tools for you to be heard because I believe that you should be empowered to reach out to your members of Congress, whether I agree with you or not on the issue. I think more participation from the citizenry is a better deal. Now, it looks like there is a deal on this issue. Um, it looks like uh, the president and the Republicans are going to do what's called an open piece of legislation. An open piece of legislation is how the Senate normally does business. How a bill becomes a law. You, someone drafts a piece of legislation, it goes before a committee, the members of the committee, regardless of party, get to mark it up, they get to debate it, they get to vote, they get to add amendments, it goes to the floor, it gets debated, it gets marked up, it gets amended, and then it goes to the House. What has been happening is that the Senate leadership has been structuring pieces of legislation and rushing them through committees, uh, where the committees rubber stamp them, making very few changes, only technical changes, going to the Senate where the amount of amendments that are allowed to be offered is restricted, and uh, they shut out all opposition. The By opening up the process and going back to, to regular order, that's what John McCain's been wanting, regular order, they're essentially laying the groundwork for a bipartisan compromise that can overcome a filibuster and potentially overcome a veto. And in overcoming the filibuster and in overcoming the veto, uh, they're daring House Republicans to challenge them. They're essentially setting up House conservatives who are opposed to amnesty as the bad guys. Not good. They're setting up House conservatives as well as the bad guys on the budget resolution, which I think also is not good. Um, the budget resolution is a bad deal. Any immigration compromise is probably going to be a bad deal. And, and though I'm okay with giving DACA recipients a pass to citizenship, I think most of what these, these bipartisan deals in Congress do are terrible deals. And we're going to see terrible legislation come from this. So again, if you want to stop it, text DACA, D-A-C-A, to 345-345 and you'll tie into the Resurgence Action Center where you can, it'll help you auto-generate tweets, Facebook messages, and emails to members of Congress, uh, your member of Congress, and your two senators telling them to oppose any DACA compromise. I want to give a shout out to Gerber. You know, Gerber, the baby food company. Uh, Lucas is an 18-month-old from Dalton, Georgia. 
Lucas is going to be the 2018 Gerber baby. Every year, Gerber announces the Gerber baby. They started a contest to find a new spokes baby in 2011. And every year they choose a baby who exemplifies Gerber's heritage of recognizing that every baby is a Gerber baby. They choose the new baby every year. The new baby's family wins $50,000 and that baby becomes the face of Gerber. And Lucas from Dalton, Georgia is the new Gerber baby. Lucas has Down syndrome. Lucas could not be the Gerber baby in Iceland or in several countries in Europe, the Netherlands, in particular Belgium, because those countries have decided to exterminate children with Down syndrome. In some cases, in fact in Netherlands, the medical associations there are arguing that if a mother tests, takes the, the test that comes back positive for Down syndrome, that the state should be allowed to forcibly abort the baby, whether the mother wants to or not. Iceland has made it a national goal to rid itself of Down syndrome babies because they believe the long-term health care costs of the child outweigh the good of letting the child live. They have never met someone with Down syndrome. If they had, they would be hard-pressed to come up with an argument for exterminating a group of people. And that's what they're doing, exterminating a group of people. It is to Gerber's credit that they are willing to highlight and name a Down syndrome child as their baby for 2018. Because Down syndrome children are perfectly happy, well-adjusted, wonderful kids. And what's happening in parts of Europe is extremely awful, extremely awful, and highlights secularism turning itself into a religion where they just go back to the altar of Moloch, and we should all be horrified by what's happening, and no one wants to speak up for Down syndrome babies. Maybe in some way Gerber is, and they found Lucas, a baby in Dalton, Georgia, to help them find their voice. It's 55 after the hour. Eric Erickson here on WSB. Let's go to the phones. Jeff in Sonoya, welcome. Hey, Eric, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Hey, I just had a question for you, and I think there's one obvious reason from the Democratic side, but in general, why is the argument always to make illegal residents citizens if we, if we care about the people and their well-being and we want them here in the U.S. to live the American dream, why don't we just make them legal residents? And allow oh, them to do that's, that? you know, I, I think that's the logical compromise here. Um, whether I think DACA recipient kids should get citizenship or not, I think the logical compromise is just give them legal residency if their parents have been here for 30 years and they've been otherwise model citizens, but for how they came here, I mean, say, okay, you, you get you get legal residency, but we're not going to give you citizenship. Of course, it all comes down to voting blocks. Um, right. they, the Democrats want new voters. Okay. All right. Yep. And that's, I think that's the obvious one. I guess for the Republican side, you know, I, I feel like it's something we could put out there and say, and if they disagree with it, then, you know, point out, well, I thought the reason was you care about the people and you care about, you know, the well-being of, right. of 
You know? Well, and, you know, privately, there are some Republicans who also want them to be voters. There is data out there that suggests the longer a family of Hispanic descent stays in the United States, the more likely they are to vote Republican and identify as a white voter. And there are some Republicans who look at that and they say, hey, we should be building a voting block. I don't necessarily think it works that way. Um, and a lot of them vote Democrat. Okay. All right. Well, I was just curious. I feel like I listen a lot and don't hear too much argument on that side, and maybe I'm just missing it. But uh, well, appreciate look, time. I appreciate you calling in and asking that. That's that's the big issue. And I, I mean, I think it's a reasonable compromise to say um, of the parents of DACA folks, the 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 people we've been hearing about who are rounding up that they've been here for thirty or forty years, they haven't broken the law since they got here. They pay taxes. Say, you know what? We'll give you residency. We're not going to give you citizenship. That's your punishment. You can never be a citizen of the United States, but you hadn't done anything since you've been here wrong. You've been producing tax money for us, and you're not living off the system, so you can stay. Um, That seems reasonable to me, but others seem to differ.